We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. On the count. Cishek delivers. The pitch swung on. Ground ball up the middle. It's a base hit. Into center field. Into score is Schwarber. Coming around third. Hoskins. He stumbled and he's going to be out by 10 feet. And they may get a play about obstruction in the baseline as Hoskins and Garcia were tripped up between second and third. Third base umpire John Bacon calling it. Well, and they did. Here's your spoiler alert. They got it. They got the call. They got the win. Good morning, everybody. It is a Saturday morning in the Delaware Valley. Along with my friend Jody McDonald, I am Glenn Mack now. And Jody, when things go well, everything works out. It, it is. This is so, uh, to steal an old Seinfeld reference, this is so opposite George of what was just three weeks ago. Every button Joe Girardi was pushing was wrong. Jody Mack for Rob Thompson. It just, it all works out. Spent a lot of quality time in my basement yesterday watching Phillies baseball starting at 1 o'clock in the afternoon going well past 10 o'clock at night. And yet, at the end of the day, it was all worth it, even though at times they made base-running blunders and Didi Gregorius extended the game last night. There are still things that the Phillies are doing that are reminiscent of the first several months of the season under Joe Girardi. But they're also doing things and or finding ways to win games, get things done, have calls go their way, like the one that you played at the top between you and I. I didn't know it was going to go that way. Mm-hmm. I was screaming at my TV, Dusty, why the hell you sent him? He's out by 45 feet. How can you send him on that play? Well, of course, we found out immediately thereafter, Dusty Watson saw the official's call. The ump on the field raised his hands, which meant it was going to be runner interference. So you want to send him because then you are going to be gifted the run. Yeah, they're doing a lot of things right these days, G-Mac. It's amazing. Over over a 10-hour over day, I assume between the two games, you could have quick dinner or whatever, walked up to your yes, kitchen. Yes, thank you. But the Phillies sweep the doubleheader. They use 22 players to do it. Um, they are now 34 and 31. That is 14 of the last 16. First time they've been that hot in the last 12 years. Uh, and Jody, one of the things that's really encouraging is they're doing it with help from guys like Matt Veerling, who hits two home runs, and Garrett Stubbs, who's the hero the other night, and Bryson Stott. And I mean, you know, that's what you need from a team that you hope is going to be there in October. Yeah, 35 and 31, the first time this year they've been above four uh, four games, over 500 all year. And uh, you and I did a show together a couple of weeks ago, and I said here on the air, I said during the week, if they can get to 500 before July 1st, I would be good with it. 
Well, we're well below before below before July first, and we're well above five hundred. If you consider four games above, well above. Well, since you haven't been there all year long, I would consider it well <laughs> above. Yeah, not only has it come together, it's come together much more quickly than I could have ever believed would happen. And as you said, and it's a weird dynamic when when things are going right, even when you screw up, it works. And you mentioned a couple of things that Gregorius throw and. Uh, running through signals and so on. And and the interesting thing is I'm screaming at the manager yesterday in the first game, right? Rob Thompson blows through his his three late-inning relievers in the first game and has to come back to the questionable bullpen in the second. Um, But... I, I, at the same time, he got he uh, yeah he got ten outs from Brogdon, Dominguez, or Anthony, and Brad Hand in the first game, so they they didn't pitch in the second. But you know what? That's what he needs to do. He needs to win what's in front of him. If you yep. remember, there was there Joe Girardi would not use relievers in games to save him for other games, and we used to scream. So if Thompson says I got to win this first game, and I need Sir Anthony, and I need Hand, and I need, then you know what? He's doing the right thing. Uh, Mac, I used to feel this way forever. I I didn't understand it, but with many years of following baseball and experience, I guess I now understand. I still don't one hundred percent understand it, but the old standing was always on a doubleheader day. You start your better best starting pitcher in the first game, and then you take your chance in the second game, even if you don't have the advantage on the matter. I always thought the opposite. I thought, no, 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 hold your better starting pitcher for the second game. Go ahead and take your shot in the first game, and then if you get the first one, you've got that much better a chance to get a sweep. Major League managers never did it that way, ever. 29 out of 30 times, you look at the two starting pitchers, which is the better one He's going to start the first game. I think even when they would go with the better starting pitcher, it would be because the guy, they thought the extra three hours wait would be more rest for him, and that's why they would hold him to the second game more so than, well, we're going to take our shot at the first one. You're right. Rob Thompson is subscribing to the theory of, I got to get wins now. And oh, by the way, the standings kind of say that because the Mets and Braves refuse to lose. This is a very tough division. Uh, the Phillies play an unbelievably great ball, and they're not making up that much ground in the division. They are in the wild card race, but not in the division. Yeah, he's playing for the moment, and the moment is working for him. All right, a couple specific issues I want to go over with you. By the way, 215-592-9494 if you want to check in. We've got a very busy three hours, which we'll tell you about coming up. Once again, umpires an issue. A really weird uh, situation in the second game as Bryce Harper comes up to pinch hit late, <laughs> and they want to walk him. Finnegan just he didn't want to throw him anything, so he throws three balls, and here comes ball four, and it's clearly a ball. And the umpire, whose name I had here, Clinton Vondrack, <laughs> uh, decides that nah, that wasn't a ball; that was a strike. <laughs> Harper steps out of the box, gives him a dirty look, come backs in comes back in. I still think Finnegan's trying to walk him, that the the fifth pitch was not exactly down the pipe. Harper swings uh, and uh, and has a two-run RBI, and boom, excuse me, two-run double, and uh, and that really helps you win the game. But, Jody, the, the, the I don't want to get too sidetracked on this today, but I just see it more and more. The quality of umpiring in baseball seems so bad. Is it is it that the quality's worse or that we just notice it more because of replay and because of the box they put on TV and because of everything else? Yeah, uh, the latter, not the former. I actually don't think the umpiring has been that bad this year. Um, blatant missed calls stand out like a sore thumb, but I think, and you get your uh, all together too often. 
bad home plate strike and ball call umpire. That I will agree with you, that that on a night-in, night-out basis. And I will tie a bunch of that into the technology that everybody's got the box. Mm-hmm. they got the ability to slow it down and show you exactly where. Now, this is an interpretation. It isn't 100% perfect, but they show you what small percentage of the ball actually comes inside the strike zone. So you scream and yell, oh, it's a strike. Of course it's a strike because my TV tells me it's a strike. A uh, home plate ball and strike umpiring hasn't been great, but on the base pass, I think it's been perfectly fine. And anytime they get it wrong, it's because we can slow it down to the umpteenth degree, and they're trying to make the call in live uh, full speed time. Uh, I'm not going to get on the umpires' cases for that stuff, which is a problem in all sports. But it is a problem though because now, and I'll, I'll take it to football. Right, we see on replay what the refs on the field can't. Right, we know if the guy's toe touched the out-of-bounds marker, by two centimeters because we, we can see it and slow it down and see it in different angles, which is why, and maybe you and I will discuss this another day sometime when we have less going on, they have to change the way games are umped and refed in all sports because the cameras are better than the refs. Agreed. Uh, okay. it, is, it is what it is. Technology is caught up and made umpiring, refereeing, whatever uh, title we're giving those who are judging our games, uh, that much more difficult task to do because they can just blatantly be shown that in real time they miss something by a centimeter, and we have the ability to correct those calls now. All right, and the bigger picture. Uh, this seems like a great time to once again, as we seem to do every week, praise Bryce Harper for how great he is. Uh, and he's having an amazing season, and this is coming off the MVP last season. And he is connected with the city in a great way, uh, with the fans, with his teammates, with everything. I don't know that there's ever been a better free agent signing in town. Um, maybe Pete Rose, but, I mean, you're going back 45 years, so that's ancient history. Uh, Runyon and Troy Vincent by Andy. Dr. J- well, Dr. J, I think, was technically a trade. And again, that goes back... That goes back a thousand decades. Um, the Harper tra- the Harper sign, excuse me, drew some criticism his first year here and maybe his second, including from a lot of people on this station. Boy, has it worked out just great for this franchise. And I haven't changed my opinion since the day he signed the contract. It was a great deal for now. And it is a 13-year contract. You signed a 13-year contract. I'm pretty good at projecting and predicting, Mac. I'm not going 13 years down the road. Well, that's but the, only, now it's only nine, I guess, whatever. The, yeah, yeah I exactly. You. I hear you. But when they signed it, it was 13. How right, do you well, know what the hell guy's going to be able to do okay. 13 years from now? Fair and that, enough. to me, was the only legitimate second guess. Yeah. That, all right, you, you sign a long-term contract. You know ahead of time. All right, part of it, it might not be worth it. Part of it, we're going to have to come up with a solution and or a way to get around it and or a way to deal with it. Um, but those who thought that it was a mistake from the beginning, that he's not as good as the money that – are you kidding me? He was, he is, he continues to be, and if not anything, he has risen in the ranks of the best players in baseball. Those who thought that in the short term it was going to be a bad deal just don't like anything. And by the way, Jody, at the rate of inflation right now, in another nine years, $30 million is going to be chump change. Um, here's the flip side of that, and you, you, you gave me a great transition. JT Real Muto gets the, gets the RBI yesterday on that potential double play that he, that he hustles and beats out, and that, that was good. But, um, boy, he's looking cooked this season. I am really worried about that. I like him as a player. I like that signing as well. I thought that, you know, he's a terrific defensive catcher. He's got a catcher with power. He's a leader. He's just not looking good these days. 
And again, uh, I go back to what I said when they signed the contract. I was certainly more nervous about the Rio Muto contract than I was the Harper contract. And his was uh, only five years as compared to 13 years. Well, how can that be the case? Because he's a catcher. And history shows us that catchers into their 30s don't retain their top-level play the way that outfielder, right fielders, DHs. Now we didn't know that it was going to be DH when Harper signed, but it is part of the evaluation going forward. Yeah, the, we, we, we knew there was a possibility that JT could start to erode, that his game could start to come apart a little bit. Now, it's coming apart quicker than I thought. I I was more worried about year four and five of that deal, and we're only two years into the deal, and we're already seeing him start to come backwards. It is still less than half a season. I'm not guaranteeing you, uh uh-oh, he's done, and we've got three years of a bad contract behind the plate that they're going to have to figure out. But right now, it's not looking good. Even uh, and and just to just to put a wrap on this, then we're going to transition into the Flyers hiring of John Tortorella yesterday. Even when they're not, I don't know, fun's the word. They're fun because you have optimism. You look at that bullpen game two when it's Kniebel and Familia and Andrew Bellotti with you know having to get these big outs in the eighth and ninth, and then Jose Alvarado, who was just so painful to watch, getting within one out of the win when Gregorius commits the error, but they come back and they win it in 10 and you celebrate. And it's, it's just all, it's so great these days. They have taken the first three from Washington, two to play Aaron Nola on the mound today at four, I think it's four thirty-five start Eflin tomorrow. So, Hey, continued fun and optimism. All right. I want uh, to play if we can, Kyle Quinn, a cut from yesterday, Flyers, new coach. Uh, what did he have to say? Let's, let's first talk, talk about the emblem. Uh, as I told Chuck, I look at that emblem and, uh, you know, guys back in 04, when we were fortunate enough, I was coaching Tampa and we went through Philly to win a Stanley cup, beating Philly in the conference finals. I remember telling my wife and I told uh, Chuck this story, man, that is a, that is a place I would love an opportunity to be in coach. Uh, the, the passion of the people, the building, uh, everything about the city, uh, it really, uh, it was really neat for me. It may sound a little silly, but even when I was coaching other teams, I've always thought about that city. I've always thought about that team, about hoping to have an opportunity along the way. All right, Jody Mack, John Tortorella doing the obligatory kissing up to the, to the fan base and the passion. Got the word passion in there. You got to do that. Uh, but it is big news. The Flyers hired Tortorella, 63 years old. He's He's got smarts. He has had success, as as you know. He won the Cup. Uh, he certainly got personality, which seems important for a team that has lost relevance with the, with the fan base here. And he has a history where he has, in the past, alienated uh, media, certainly, some fans, some players. Maybe that's not a bad thing here. Uh, again, Flyers are a franchise struggling for attention. Tortorella will certainly attract that. Jody, what do you think? Talking about Tortorella and his personality, you, you put them in a specific order. You said uh, media, fans, players. I only care about one of those three, Glenn, to be truthful with you, and that's players. Mm-hmm. Uh, the media is going to be the media, and uh, I've done a 180 on Doc Rivers. I thought he was going to be great here. Uh, just talking about relationship with the media. Uh, he's a former media member. He's a smart guy. He's a well-spoken guy. 
and he has mishandled his uh, relationship with the media so badly the last two years. Now, uh, I'm just floored by it. I, I thought he was going to be great at it rather than being stone cold awful at it. There's a whole bunch of area in between there, Glenn, and he landed on the, the furthest side of awful that you could with yeah. the way he's handled himself. Don't care. Yeah, I'll compl- come on WIP and complain about it, but if he's doing the job coaching, his, uh, his relationship with the media doesn't matter. His relationship with the fans, yes, they paid the bills. Yes, they come to the games. The fans really not going to show up because I can't stand that coach. He, he, he talks down to me. No, if the team is winning, they're going to show up so that you can work through that. No, it's all about the players and how he works, interacts, gets the most out of, motivates, and or annoys players. And he has had both good and bad in his stops across the National Hockey League. Um, A guy who's doing pretty well these days. I'm going to make a comparison here that I don't know if it's worthy or not. Buck Showalter is having an unbelievable run with the Mets this year. They got the best record in baseball. At some point, Buck Showalter runs afoul of his team. Always does. Every stop he's ever been. Has had success, come in and won, elevated the team, made them better. And at some point, he just starts to wear on everybody around him. That's John Tortorella. So mm-hmm. if you're looking for a quick turnaround, if you're looking for the Flyers to be better next year because they've been pretty damn bad the last two years, you should get that out of John Tortorella. Will he be around long enough to see them become a Stanley Cup contender? That I don't know. But yeah. he will make them better right away. Well, and that's a great point because it's 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 what he can do, but beyond him it's up to Chuck Fletcher, the GM, to make it happen. And that's that's really the challenge. You gotta get rid of the stiffs. You gotta get guys who can play around Carter Hart. You you gotta you gotta get immediate help with that number five draft pick, bring in free agents who can actually play for a change. I'm not sure how much faith I have in Fletcher. I, I honestly don't know that Fletch how Fletcher feels about Tortorella. Since our friend Anthony Sanfilippo reported the Flyers' ownership hired a consultancy firm to choose the head coach, kind of going around Fletcher, and their first choice was Trotz. But, 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 if Tortorella has the opportunity to have a say in who plays for him, if his leaders are good, if he can, if he can get rid of guys who are soft. Listen, Jody, this is this was a soft, sensitive team. James Van Riemsdyk is not a tough player. Um, Tortorella has to ride them hard. He's got to get Provorov to play tougher and smarter and Kevin Hayes and and hope that Carter Hart doesn't go into the shell that he went into two years ago. Um, this is a team that's missed the playoffs three of the last four years. This is a team that won a, a Stanley Cup in 47 years. Um, it's going to be a rebuild, and I hope that he has enough talent to work because they don't, they don't have talent. They're in bad cap shape. Unless he's a miracle worker, I don't know that he can do what he what he does here. I always love watching his teams play. Um, eventually, I think you just kind of alluded to it, people don't go to the games to watch the coach. They go to the games to watch the team, and I hope the team is worth watching. Let me ask you a question on that. Um, you called it rebuild. I think they referenced it in yesterday's media section. I think Torello used three or four different words to describe the same exact thing, just slightly different. Call it what you want. Uh, Jeff Laurie refused to use that word yeah, two sure. years ago. Transitional period. Different people have different yeah. uh, definitions yeah, right. of words. We all know what it means. Uh, it's a reshuffle. Uh, yes, yeah, taking right, a step backwards to take two forwards down yeah, the road. Right. Mm-hmm. Are they going to be committed to Tortorella? And will Tortorella be okay with this that, hey, it's going to take time? 
because right now they don't have a heck of a lot of cap uh, flexibility. So it no. isn't like even if Chuck Fletcher could identify the top flight players who could fit, they might not be able to get him here. It is going to take time. Will Tortorella be the guy to take that entire time through the process? Uh, he's got a four-year, was it four-year, $16 million contract? Is that what he got, right? Four at four? Uh, or else four at 18, whatever. Chump change at the end. Uh, I would put it at slightly under 50-50 that he completes all four years. Yeah, see, don't you want at least 50-50? Yeah, well, I mean, not, I mean, like, because I don't want to go 50-50. So I'll right. say it's 45-55 that he does the four. What about you? <sighs> yeah, I'm in the same area that you are. I don't want to be negative Nelly, but uh, I would be on the lower side 50-50 too. All right, we got a lot going on today. We're going to work in all four of the uh, local uh, professional, big-time professional sports franchises. There is some news with the Sixers. Actually, the NBA season finished. I want Jody's opinion on a few things involving that. Always there is Eagle news, and we will get them into the conversation. By the way, uh, my friend Ray Dinger is going, to, uh, he's going to be speaking and signing books today at the Surfside Park in Avalon, New Jersey, Six o'clock tonight, it's a library event, uh, not a bookstore. So if you're down at the shore, get yourself to Surfside Park, enjoy the sun, and uh, see Ray Dinger uh, talk about his book and sell some books. All right, coming up at noon, we are going to talk to our pal Ben Davis about the Phillies. But coming up next, Jody, noted hockey authority, Keith Jones, is going to join us. Now, I have, I have a question before we talk to Keith. Which Keith Jones? Uh, no, are we allowed to pimp him on the fact that Basically, every other media member from Philadelphia that covers hockey made it into the Hall of Fame this week, except for <laughs> Keith Jones. He's not even the best player from his hometown. Uh, okay, you know so who that is? Who's Keith is from Brantford, Ontario. You know who else is from there? Who's from Brantford? Some guy named Gretzky. Oh shoot! Yeah. <laughs> but you want to know something? He's not he's even actually, the man in his neighborhood. <laughs> he's actually closer to Gretzky in uh, doing television analysis oh, better, work yeah. oh, than better. he is as a player. Yes, uh, much both better. of them are big time, big position guys. And I'll take Jonesy over Gretzky every day of the week, no doubt. So feel free to ask him about the Hall of Fame. Yeah, congratulations to Al Morgani, by the way. Who, um, geez, I've known Al since college, and I knew Al covering hockey in college, and Al is. is is deserved of that great honor. And Billy Clement, it really was a good week for those guys. Yes, so, it was. Yeah, there you go. Are you in your? Uh, are you in any Hall of Fames? High school? Hall high of school, Fame? yeah. Say your you? heart. Yeah. There you go. Good for you. I am not in my high school Hall of Fame. No. I am, however, in the Philadelphia Jewish Sports Hall of Fame. Nice. They ran, they ran out of people, Jody, and there I was. <laughs> <laughs> right after Michael Barkan and Ruben Amaro. There I'm you in. go. Good company. All right, 215-592-9494. We'll catch up with Jonesy next. We'll take your calls. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now, Saturday morning on 94 WIP. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You guys aren't going to get me into that corner of saying, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I am going to coach that team hard right away. We are, we are going to, it's going to be a, a very difficult camp. 
uh, a high volume of skating. They will be told about this uh, during the summer here as far as how we're going to approach this. I guess that's what I'm saying to you. We're attacking it. We're attacking it. It's not going to be, I guess everybody, I guess it's a rebuild, a retool, whatever language that's used. I am approaching each and every day to try to make each individual player play better as a player and a person, and then as a team trying to get better in each and every day. That that will take care of the time frame. John Tortorella saying all the right things yesterday as he was announced as the Flyers, I believe it's the 23rd coach in franchise history. We now talk to our pal Keith Jones. Keith, as you may know, is uh, lead commentator for Flyers games on NBC Sports Philadelphia. He is inside the glass reporter on TNT, and he carries the burden of making Angelo Cataldi sound smart several days a week. Jonesy, thanks thanks for uh, coming on with us today. Happy thing going, buddy. It's going all right. Hopefully, we don't have a bad connection here. Let's uh, let's give this a, a try. Um, you've been around. You've seen Tortorella all these years. What's what's his biggest strength as a coach? What does he bring this franchise that it needs? He is a voice for the franchise, and on a team that does not have a lot of players that do a great job in communicating the message, Tortorella is going to communicate that message, and he's going to back it up with his ability to get players to play to their best of their abilities. And he's going to push them. He's going to drive them. And at times want to kill them. And at times they're going to want to give them a big hug. But winning makes everything better. And he's going to make this team up. All right, Jonesy, let me ask you a short-term question before we get to long-term. The current roster, and there will be changes during this offseason. We know that, but not a great deal of them. Uh, the Flyers are what they are as of right now. Does his style fit the current room that they have for the Flyers? It does. I mean, it's a very intelligent coach, Jody. He's a guy that understands individual players. He's done a great job throughout his career in bringing individuals together for the betterment of the team. And I think he's got a good feel for uh, what a certain player brings to the table, and he knows how to get that out of him. Uh, he's not going to be a, a coach that the players wonder how he's feeling about the way that they're playing. <laughs> he, he's going to be honest. He's going to be up front. And he's going to ask them to defend uh, better than they ever have in their lives. And this Flyers team last year was blowing out on multiple occasions. And that's something that just can't happen. Uh, this team's going to be a lot different with John Tortorella. He's, he is the right coach for this team at this time and for the city for that for that matter. All right, Jonesy, as we're talking, if you're able to walk into another room, that's good because we are getting a lot, of, a lot of feedback. So I'm going to ask you a two-part question here, kind of piggybacking off what Jody just asked you. Who on this roster is going to like playing for, for Tortorella? Who's going to thrive? Who's going to get better? And I'll put it this way. Who is going to find it a challenge to play for this coach? He's going to respond the right way. Uh, He's the one guy that stands out to me. Say it again. Jonesy, we lost the very beginning of what you said. So say the beginning. Who's going to respond the right way? Travis Connecticut is going to be the most. We don't. We uh, we can't hear him. Uh, you know what, Kyle? Do me a favor. Um, hang up and let's call him right back because this is this is stuff that I really want to get from. Got it. Uh, from Jonesy and uh, wherever he is, we're not getting him. Well, you don't get that too much anymore, Jody. We used to get that. 
gosh, when you and I were working together 27 <laughs> years ago and you would say, Joe's in a car mobilizing, which I always thought was a brilliant way that you said it. We It was like every third call would drop off. Right. But uh, with the towers that we have across America now, it almost uh, never happens very infrequently. Maybe uh, Jonesy's up in Bamford and he didn't it's, tell us about it. But that's Florida, the problem. Actually. It is in Florida. Uh, so. then, then shame on the uh, towers down there in Florida um, because, uh, yeah, he was breaking up pretty badly. He sounds pretty optimistic, Glenn. Uh, maybe yeah, we I got, can we certainly got say back. more so than me. Uh, yeah, well, okay. Let's see if we got him back. There you go. You with us, Jonesy? I am sorry, okay. buddy. I'm down in Florida. I just uh, can't trust the cell phones down here for whatever reason. <laughs> I understand. I appreciate it. So let, let's let me uh, restate the question: Who on the roster now will thrive under him? Will like him? And who's going to find this a challenge? So Travis Connecting is the one guy that I really think is going to have a breakout season. And you know, you go back a couple of seasons ago, and the guy they call TK was an all-star player that looked like he had all the attributes to take it to the next level, even beyond that. Uh, his play dropped. He needs to be better. Tortorella's going to find a way to make him better. He's going to thrive under John Tortorella, and that's great news for Flyers fans because they need him to play to his potential and do a little bit more than that if this team's going to be a playoff team. So mm -hmm. that's one player that jumps out to me. Atkinson has already done extremely well under Tortorella. So I would expect that to continue. I would expect him to be a player that can convey the message to the rest of the team as well because he's been through it, he's done it with John, and he's played very well for him in the past. So I would expect that to continue. Uh, a player like Travis Sanheim, who looks like he's ready to take the next step, is going to be you know, pushed into being an even better player. And I think he's another guy that's going to thrive. Uh, Provorov, I guess, would be the maybe the challenge. We'll see if he's, yep. if he's stubborn or if he's going to be accepting of what is being asked. And the one thing about Provorov, he's an extremely hardworking athlete. So the demands from Tortorella physically are not going to be an issue for him. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of if he can take his game up to being a number one defenseman and play to what we thought he was going to be a couple of seasons ago. Jonesy, what do we make of the fact that the Flyers decided to go with an agency to advise them going through the process? And they were up front and said, this is going to be a process where we're going to take our time and we're going to make sure we get this right. We're in no rush to hire the next head coach. And it came together as it did. And Tortorella ended up as the choice. What do we make of the fact that they decided to go down this road rather than just uh, give their general manager the say-so throughout the entire process to run the process and then pick the eventual coach? You know, Joe, I think it's going to become the norm. You know, though the Flyers were the first National Hockey League team to do it, I think when you look at things that happen in Chicago and the nightmare that they've been through with the way that things were handled, uh, with the situation with uh, Kyle Beach. I think it's more about protecting the corporation, protecting the logo, protecting the name. Uh, that's the type of homework, I believe, that's being done by the agencies. And I would think that that continues here with so much on the line as far as your image, the image of the team and how uh, the fans and the people that follow your team want uh, and perceive you. I think that's going to be really important moving forward here as things continue to change in our world. 
All right, a couple more. We'll let you get back to the horses. For fans who, casual fans, who watch the Flyers but don't really watch the league, although, boy, I hope they're watching the Cup Finals because the playoffs have been so great. But for Flyers fans who watch the Flyers and don't haven't really watched a lot of Tortorella, what is his system going to be? What can they expect on the ice from the product? What does he coach? Number one, effort. Uh, and not just effort where guys are flying around the ice. There's going to be, you know, a controlled influence on the defensive side of the game where his team is going to be very difficult to play against. The opposition is not going to find it an enjoyable experience. And that comes in many different forms. Number one, they're going to be extremely competitive for every puck battle. Uh, There's going to be very little quit in the team. And if there is, it's going to be addressed right away. And I think those are probably the things that will stand out the most. I would expect their goals against to drop significantly. And I would expect them to be a much more respectable team in regards to how the opponents look at them when they come in to play the Flyers. So they're going to get back to being the Philadelphia Flyers. And John Tortorella, again, I can't stress it enough, guys. I, I truly believe this is the best possible hire. And I know he's 63 or going to be 64 here in a hurry. I think they got him just in time. And I think he fits what the franchise needs at this time. And I think there's going to be a lot of players that excel underneath him. Jonesy, between you, me, and Glenn, there are no millennials on this call right now. Um, (laughs) There there are a bunch of fans in this town who remember back to the glory days and the Broad Street bullies and what actually delivered Stanley Cup championships here. Shoot, we got some Flyer fans that don't even remember when Keith Jones was a player. Um, But uh, certainly there is a percentage of the fan base that wants the Flyers to be tougher. There are no more Broad Street bullies. It's just not in the National Hockey League anymore. And if they attempted to reproduce that, it would be a mistake. But if toughness is what the Flyers need and what the Flyer fans want, how will John Tortorella get that out of this team? And how will we be able to identify it? Yeah, it's measured differently now in the game. And if you're you know, watching the Stanley Cup Finals, you can see how influential uh, the guys that play the game physically are, like a Ryan McDonough and the way that he competes on the back end for Tampa. Pat Maroon, the guy that actually was drafted mm-hmm. or in the Flyers system years ago. Uh, the Corey Perrys of the world. Those guys have made their mark, number one, being good players, but most importantly, with their style of play. And that, that's how you measure toughness in today's game. So it's going to be about knocking players down uh, with the purpose of taking the puck away, uh, not so much with the purpose of intimidating uh, and I think that's the type of toughness that you need. And Tampa's proven it. Columbus proved it when they swept Tampa going back to the last series that Tampa lost before they've gone on this incredible run through the playoffs. It was a sweep by John Tortorella's Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah. And they just outhit them, outworked them, and then Tampa went out and picked up three or four players that were of similar elk, uh, including guys like Barkley Goudreau and uh, Blake Coleman, and that's how Tampa found a way to get over the top. So Tortorella gave him the formula. He spanked them and with a team that was inferior, and I think that's kind of what Flyer fans have to look forward to with the Flyers next year.
All right, all good stuff. So uh, to wrap up, Keith Jones, uh, you were around this week when Al Morgani got named to the uh, the writer's wing or the whatever, the writer's honor for the, the Hockey Hall of Fame, which is huge. By the way, people have never been in the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto. It is a great visit. It's really fun, interactive Hall of Fame. Uh, you also know Bill Clement very well, who got in at the same time broadcast. Jody and I were reflecting. Jonesy, are you in any Hall of Fame? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm in the Western Michigan Hall of Fame. Oh, sure. Yeah, and I went back there, and I, I just figured it would be, hey, how you doing, shake your hand, and all of a sudden I was told, uh, do you want to go first with your speech or fifth? Ooh. And I had I had not written a single thing down. I actually took the <laughs> parking pass where I parked my car and wrote down four or five different things, and I said, I think I'll go fifth. <laughs> and after listening to the first four people go, uh, football players, basketball, uh, et cetera, track and field, uh, they had prepared speeches and they absolutely blew it out of the park. Uh, I stepped up and somehow managed to spit out enough words to make some sense of getting up there. But that's what I remember about going in the Western Michigan Hall of Fame. Well, listen, you are, uh, to my thinking, brilliant as a as a. The two, I, I love the two different Keith Joneses. I love the Keith Jones who I hear uh, when I'm watching games on TV, and I love the Keith Jones who I hear on the morning show. So we appreciate you taking time out from feeding the horses to join us this morning. Always good to catch up with you guys. Thanks. Right, Keith. Take care, Jerry, well. Appreciate you it. Keith Jones. Uh, Jody, he's in his college Hall of Fame. Which, I, oh, by the way, great pick by Jonesy to go fifth because – then you go up there. I know I, how I would do it right off the top of my head. Listen, I know we've been here a while, so I'll be brief. <laughs> and boom, then you just go. It doesn't matter what you right. say after you say, I'll be brief. If people have already made it through four Hall of Fame acceptance speeches, you're a winner. As soon as you say, I'll be brief, you can just get off then and take your standing ovation. Yeah, they want to get to the bar. Exactly. <laughs> Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Feeling the pressure tonight. Stafford airs it out. Jefferson downfield. He's picked. No, dropped. Unbelievable. A drop by Jaquaski Tart, and he cannot believe it. All right, that may be a little cruel, but uh, and I apologize to Jaquaski Tart, who probably has not even yet set foot in Philadelphia and is looking forward to a fine career with the Eagles. But that's the only highlight I could find of the guy. By the way, he's Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Mack now. And, yes, uh, Jody, a busy news Friday. Friday is usually pretty slow news days. But Eagles sign, as you hear, Joukowsky Tart, 30-year-old safety, um, seven-year career with the Niners, former second-round pick. He's been been injured a lot over the years, started 14 games last year. Um, I know you do your Eagles 365 show. Curious what your reaction is to this signing. It's funny uh, that you mentioned Eagles 365 because my other Mac partner. 360. I said 365, didn't I? Yeah, no, it is 360. Oh, it is Did I just say, say 360? I, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Yes. Okay. We got it right. 365. 
Got it. Uh, my other Mac partner, John McMullen, and I talk more about this, even though you and I had talked about it previously. Pro Football Focus, I heard you and Ray reference it many a time on your yeah. weekend shows when you guys were. Uh, you know, th- my They annoy me because sometimes I think they get things such right, so right, that I agree wholeheartedly with them. And then there are other times where I go, what the hell? How can they crunch any number? How can they watch any tape and come up with this uh, scouting report yes. and or ranking and or whatever? So they're really hit or miss. But I, I give them at least the credit that they put the work in. They do, they check all the video. They and crunch they, all they, the they've stats. They've built a successful empire. I'll give them credit for their business model. So They sure. surely have. Uh, a lot of people uh, subscribe and, and take what they say. It's gospel. I don't. I know you don't. But I don't dismiss it either. Last year, out of 92 safeties ranked, uh, Jakiski Tart was 72nd out of 92. Not a great ranking. And if you break it down a little bit, he was very good, above average against the run. Uh, terrible would be a way to describe how he is against the pass, and not because he dropped that blatant interception in the AF- NFC Championship game this year. He's a box safety who doesn't have the quicks that he once did at age 30, has experience, is a good tackler, has a role to play. Uh, he's not an every-down safety. He's got to be in on specific downs. I saw my buddy Brendan Lee Gouton on uh, Bleeding Green Nation put up some numbers of how the 49ers were better when he was on the field than when he was off the field. It's because he's on the field on running downs, and most times they're right to be able to pick what down he's on the field, so you're not going to have big plays for big yardage if you're running the ball. He is what he is. He's a yeah. he's a running down safety at this stage of his career. Right, and if if that's all they need him to do, right? If they, they Listen, they needed a backup to Anthony Harris and Marcus Epps. Presumably Epps is going to step up and be the starter this year. Um, he, it's June. He was unsigned, so it's not exactly going to be a big deal. He's going to be a one-year guy who you hope can come in and contribute, and you hope you don't need to do more because, yes, the the, the story on – I can't tell you I watched every Niners game, but I watched him a few times, and the story on him and what you see is he, he can't defend the pass. Um, he can tackle. And he can. He's big. He, he can defend the run. He might even be able to sneak in and play some linebacker depending on how the defensive coordinator plans to use him. So, yeah, not a big deal, but whatever. <laughs> right? You take what you can take these days. Right. And uh, I would have bet good money that they were going to do something along these lines. There have been rumors about, ooh, could they make a trade for Bates of Cincinnati because he's yeah, not yeah. going to sign I didn't see that happening. I've been throwing the name Chuck Clark out since the day the Ravens drafted Kyle Hamilton in the draft Mm. in the first round, and he's been their starting safety for the last several years. They spent big money on Marcus Williams, outspent what the Eagles were willing to spend because the Eagles very much were in on Williams when he was a free agent this year, the former pro bowler from New Orleans. So they've got two safeties, and Clark seemed to be the odd man out, and I thought the Eagles could put a package together to get him. If they weren't able to uh, connect on either of those fronts, they were going to get a veteran guy who was going to be a situational substitution guy. And that's exactly what Tart seems to be at this stage of his career. And what you hope, if you go back to the Super Bowl season, they signed a bunch of guys like this that you just thought like, all right, well, you know, small-time contributor and whatever. And they just got lucky in that all of those guys had good seasons at the same time. Right. And right. and maybe that happens. Maybe 
in this new city with a new defensive coordinator who knows how to use him and doesn't expose him to the things he can't do, he can be a contributor. But I don't know. And I got to tell you, and we'll get into I know I, I kind of planned a segment later to talk about um, the Eagles offense. I'm very gung-ho on the Eagles offense. I'm pretty scared about the defense. Oh, no, I like the defense. You do? I think, yeah, yeah, I think they've made uh, some major upgrades there, most specifically at the linebacker position, which for years, what? no, let me correct myself, decades, yeah. I believe that they've been underemphasizing, and I think they have upgraded there. Um, no, I, I think they've done uh, good things on defense. Jakiski Tart not being one of them. He's a he's a guy is what he is. Yeah. And you reference 2017 when all those guys found ways to contribute. I think it's tremendous that we remember all those guys when it works. Do you remember Eric Wilson from last year, the linebacker? Sure. That yeah, the didn't make it through Eagles the season. Did not make it. Through. Those guys we seem to forget. Yeah, the no, no, no. I know one those year going to oh, get yeah. the job done type guys. Oh, they no. go out of our ego memory rather quickly. But the guys who come in, like Mr. Long at defensive end, making a big play in the NFC Championship game, oh, we'll remember him for decades. But yes. the guys who falter, which will Jakiski Tart be? Well, who knows? We'll yeah. find out when the season goes, but he'll fall into one of those two categories. All right, I have a completely unrelated question, not even pertaining to sports, but just something I need to ask you as I have a minute and a half to kill here. Gotcha. You play Wordle? No. Have you ever? No. Would you ever? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Every day. Fully addicted. Almost really? did not. Almost did not make the start of the show today because I needed to solve it. You, you know what it is, right? I, I, I generally know what it is, but because it meant nothing to me, and I'm not that kind of. I'm not a puzzle guy. I'm not a yeah, I'm uh, do the crossword every day kind of guy. No. Uh, so did I do my research and even attempt to find out if it's something that would interest me? Again, real short answer: No. Okay, that's fine. It is just for people who don't know, and I imagine that most people like Jody at least know what it is. It is a daily word puzzle that comes up. You call it up on your computer or your phone or whatever. Uh, I usually do it on my phone uh, early, and you get six tries to figure out a six-letter word. It's the simplest. It's the simplest concept in the world, which doesn't make the game itself simple. And I have to tell you, I am full-on addicted to it and have since moved beyond it to something called quadrotal and octordal, which means you have to solve eight words at the same time. And I, I, have to, I think I have to go cold turkey because I swear to God, Jody, it's like three minutes to ten, and I'm sitting there trying to solve this thing thinking I can't get on and, like, pay attention to Jody until I finish <laughs> which I did, which I solved it today. Good for you, Mac-Man. took me four to figure it out, which is, I guess, about average. But, uh, yeah, it's... It's funny how stuff like that, which is so simple and so stupid, can be some can become so compelling. So if you don't do it, you're probably better off for that. I feared that, and that's the reason why I said no. Because yeah, nice. I thought it could be something that could get just enough of a hook into me that I would only get ticked off trying to do it on a day-in, day-out basis. And I kind of like my life the way it is right now. That's why I don't play Madden. Because I think I'd be up to, I would be up till 3 in the morning playing Madden. It's like I got to win this last game. So, anyway, I limit it to a uh, a, a six of five six. Excuse me, five letter six guess word puzzle every day. 
That's Very it. Nice. Uh, by the way, anybody who's down in Avalon, New Jersey, or down the shore today, stop by Surfside Park, 6 o'clock. My pal Ray Dinger is going to be speaking and signing books uh, there. at the. It's a, li- it's a library event, not a bookstore, but you can get his book. All right, 215-592-9494. Jody McDonald and I have two hours to go. We're going to talk to Ben Davis at noon. We're going to talk some NBA stuff coming up. We'd love to hear from you in this next segment. Jody and Glenn on 94 WIP. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.